welcome to uh, another edition of At the Devil's Ball, um, uh, the podcast where we talk about horror and, uh, in a positive and constructive manner. I'm already butchering this. Um, uh, I am Nathaniel. And I'm Samuel. And we are here to discuss uh, The Devil's Advocate. Uh, a, uh, I think we have our work cut out for us this week. But luckily, we are not alone on this. We have uh, my very, very good friend, my best friend from high school, uh, it's been a while since we've had her on, but we're really excited to have her back. We have uh, Nastasia with us. Hi, I'm happy to be back and to talk about one of my very favorite movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm glad that you put that in there very, very directly. So, you know, I say uh, we, we're uh, we have our work cut out for us. And then you're like, it's one of my favorites. And then we're, we are like threatened. So <laughs> we're on the, uh, on the uh, offensive we're, already. We're on. Yeah, I we're mean, on. I fully admit it is not a perfect movie. Yeah. There is a lot of '90s happening in it, I but I still, I still love it. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, Sam, uh, why don't you go ahead and do the vitals, and then we'll uh, yep. we'll do our uh, uh, ice breaking banter thing we've been trying out, and then we'll. Right. Uh, so. So what a uh, what a high class uh, Florida lawyer is offered a job at New York City law firm with. Uh, the boss from hell, I guess you would call him. Uh, <laughs> um, him and his wife uh, kind of had to get into a fight for their sanity and their souls. Uh, that's the that's the elevator pitch for it, I guess it would be. And as far as uh, people behind the film, uh, it was directed by Taylor Hackford, written by Andrew Niemerman, who wrote the original novel, uh, Jonathan Lumpkin, and Tony Gilroy. And as far as cast, we have uh, Keanu Reeves as Kevin Lomax, Al Pacino as John Milton, Charlize Theron as Marianne Lomax, uh, some asshole as uh, Eddie Barzoon, uh, the guy, the name. guy from the guy from all the Tim Burton movies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or the the principal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. If you want we're to call gonna, him that, we're not going to talk about him. No, <laughs> uh, Judith Ivy as Miss Alice Lomax. Connie Nielsen as Christabella Andrioli, Craig T. Nelson as Alexander Cullen, Tamara Tooney as Miss Jackie Heath, and Ruben Santiago Hudson as Layman Keith. Probably my favorite actor in the whole movie, actually, Ruben Santiago Hudson. Yeah. And his character just vanishes from the narrative. Yeah, they just kind of forget uh, about just him. just stops showing up. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, so our uh, so we've been trying out a new thing lately. So we'll start with you, Nastasia. So just introduce yourself, uh, what you are working on, uh, what you anything you might want to promote or mention that you might be working on, and a movie or something that you watched this week that stood out to you. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, I am still a writer, uh, working on my fifth novel, um, which actually was. The influence began, I think, with this movie, and we will get into that later, but I write paranormal romance focused on the devil under the pen name Ava Martel, and what I've been watching this week, I'm actually been getting caught up on American Horror Story, so I'm about halfway through the double feature season. I just finished the Red Tide part, and it just it just proves that I'm a New Englander at heart because every time I watch anything like this, I'm like, I don't think Ryan Murphy was going for like 
nostalgia with this season. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, there's all the there's all the murder, but but look at the architecture. It just makes right. me want to move back. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen uh, I haven't seen that season yet. I I I watched the 1984 one. That was the last one I watched. But uh, I know what you mean. As a New Englander myself, like you know, we obviously we went to high school together, as Raffer mentioned, um, in Maine. And um, yeah, I I do remember uh, with American Horror Story, people kind of being like, um, "Oh my God, why am I blanking on her name?" She's one of the finest actors in like history. Uh, she was in the earlier seasons. Jessica um, Lang. Yes, Jessica Lang. Thank you. Yeah. I um, where people were making fun of her New England accent in the second season, and I was like, "Nope, that's how they sound. Um, that's right. it's actually a really good accent." Um, but yeah, it's uh, it is fun that that uh, that that happens with American Horror Story. It's such an odd show, um, very hit or miss. Um, but yeah, so you're working on uh, you're working on your fifth book. You you've written the uh, is it is it still connected with the same series? The... Yeah, it's all it's all in the same series. There's going to be seven in the series eventually, yeah. and I'm working on. I've been working on book five for a while, um, yeah. but. Yeah, it's it's coming along. Yeah, and your that work is available on Amazon. Yep, on Amazon. Okay, and the and series the, is called Fire from Heaven. Fire from Heaven. Yeah, and you can find that on Amazon.com. Um, Sam, what about you? What'd you watch this week? Um, I mean, we've I, we finished up watching uh, the Sandman TV series, which okay. was uh, amazing. So um, yeah, uh, you know, I was in the camp of people who was you know really 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 nervous about it because you know the sandman's such an awesome book series mm -hmm. um comic book series and i just blown away by it um but other than that um i think the standout movie this week was uh vi uh 1960s russian uh folks it's folk really horror good. Good. Yeah. it's just it's it's filled with um i guess the short version of it would be you know a, a a priest has to uh, say a prayer over a, over a dead bewitched woman's uh, basket for three three nights straight, and yeah, shenanigans ensued. Yeah. Right, um, but the special effects that it uh, hold up today, I think, you know, yeah, they're really good. They're really good. So yeah, yeah, it's a it's such a fun movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it years ago. It's really really good. Uh, for me, I my stand up this week was I went to uh, Rift Tracks Live mm -hmm. uh, earlier this week. Where they covered uh the return of swamp thing um which is i had forgotten it was a staple of uh like when i was a kid it was on like usa network like at midnight oh all the time all mm -hmm. the time um and i'd forgotten how much fun that movie was it's such a it's such a strange little film uh mm -hmm. filled with like you know weird b movie monster effects and uh like stilted action sequences and it's very right. tongue-in-cheek and um it's just a, it was a really fun movie it has heather locklear in it uh mm -hmm. probably looking the best she's ever looked um she was absolutely stunning in that movie um not that she wasn't today right i'm sure i'm sure she's aged well um and with that segue speaking of aging well so nastasia you turned 40 <laughs> last week <laughs> yes oh. yeah and uh i think the last time you and i were in the same place you were 20 we were both 22 and you have not aged <laughs> since then so i am i'm wondering what kind of like fucked up elizabeth bathory shit you got going on 
right. because you don't look a day over 22. Like it's absolutely absurd. You. you haven't, you have not aged. <sighs> Thank you. I mean, I, I put that up to avoiding the two things that age you the most, sunlight and children. So right. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, you know, they say evil ages you, but I'm like, Nastasia is the absolute epitome of neutral evil. So that's not. Aww, you say like, the sweetest thing. Yeah. So I'm like, it's not that, you know. Right. Uh, and I'm like, I'm chaotic good and I keep getting fatter and losing more hair. Like, and I'm like, then then, then Nastasia is posting like these angel devil like model pics that i'm like she hasn't aged in 25 years and it's absolutely absurd so i'm assuming you're bathing in the blood of virgins or or eating men's souls or something like it's it's kind of absurd i mean it's texas it's i live in texas so i'm just doing my part to you know try and try and clear things out right right well, you look, you look, you look stunning as, as, as always, as you always did. So. Thank you. But, um, but, and happy birthday. Happy uh, birthday. Yeah. You were actually invited to be on our anniversary special last week, but you actually were busy doing like important things so, right. for your birthday. So, um, but yeah, happy birthday. Um, so, uh, the devil's advocate, uh, was made in 97. Um, mm-hmm. when, uh, uh, and Nastasia actually reminded me when, uh, when we talked about doing this movie that apparently I had forgotten about this, but you reminded me, I apparently reviewed this film for the high school newspaper. Mm-hmm. Oh. And what can you tell me about that? Like, because I don't really remember this. So I wish I, I looked through my like pile of high school mementos because I did keep a bunch of like stuff from the paper, from the paper back then, mm-hmm. but I did not find it. But I remember you hated the ending and you called it a cop out. <laughs> and that is the thing I remember the most, <laughs> but you were not mm-hmm. a fan of the ending, but you I think you you enjoyed everything else about Al Pacino's performance, which who doesn't? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, who doesn't? Um, uh, is uh, it's a slightly different ball game, I think. Now that I'm for now that I'm forty, um, right. but uh, we'll we'll get to there. We'll get there. <laughs> um, but we'll start off because we obviously we do positive. Uh, we do positive and constructive, so we're not going to rip on this movie. That's right. not our. Uh, that's not our style. Uh, there might be some jokes. But um, it's all meant in fun because we, I think, uh, you know, as we've said many times, even if we don't like a movie, we love it. Right. Um, because we love movies and we love horror films. And um, so we'll start with this. We'll start off with the positive. So this is one of your favorite movies, as we've aforementioned. Um, yeah. Why is it your one of your favorite movies? Like, what is what about this stood out to Nastasia at you would have been 16 when this came out? I think so. Yeah. yeah. And uh... I, it's this movie. I re I rewatched it earlier today. And do you ever watch a movie and you're just like, wow, this is right. a core memory that's happening here. And right. this just resonated very much with 16 um, year old Nastasia. I feel like this movie was like, my villain origin story <laughs> where um where i was just like man this satan guy you know he doesn't he, he's got charisma <laughs> and right. yeah so basically everything stemmed from 
this. It, this was, I believe, uh, the first time I ever heard the song Paint It Black and like listened to the words. Mm -hmm. And I just, it's one of those movies that you, I just irrationally love. Back in the olden days when I still had cable, this mm -hmm. was the movie where if I was ever flipping channels and I ran through TBS or TNT or all those channels that seemed yeah. to like perpetually be watching it, mm -hmm. um, I would just be like, okay, well, this is what I'm doing now. Didn't matter if it was right. halfway through the movie or the god-awful edited version. Okay, we're just going to sit here and watch the last 45 minutes of The Devil's Advocate. Okay. But it's so, but, uh, it's so, but it, it stood out to you because you were fascinated by the devil or like like uh, the character of the devil or... Yeah, the, the character of the devil because this was, you know, this was before there were... Because I want to say Stigmata was what ninety nine. I believe so. And that, like that that yeah. was that was when the whole like it seemed that that was the year of Stigmata. That was the year of Dogma. So that was I was just very very interested in mm -hmm. the devil and anything because I was raised in a completely like non-religious household. So mm -hmm. I was coming to this from like, this is just an interesting story. And tell me about this character that is the ultimate evil from mm -hmm. every, everyone's ideas. And I kind of liked hearing a little bit more of his side of the story. And I just, even now, I still love the monologues, like Al Pacino's monologues. Some of them are definitely like the I'm edgy and this is 15 when you, or, <laughs> right. yeah, right. yeah. When, when sure. you, when you look back at them, but it's still like, you know what? It's still a good monologue. I'm pretty yeah. sure um, in the theater classes that Nate and I took in high school, I really wanted to do one of these monologues and I was probably not allowed because, you know, that they've got some strong language and adult content. Yeah. They're also twenty minutes, right? Um, just so it would have been. I think we. I think we probably had a time limit in that class. <laughs> like the monologue has to be like five minutes. And uh, but though, uh, actually, fun. Uh, my research into this film uh, last night actually suggested that uh, found out that they literally were re rewriting the script because Pacino wanted more monologues, right? Um, and uh, to the point where apparently at the end of the film, he he actually I think one of the conditions of him doing the film because he actually didn't want to do it originally mm -hmm. uh was that he needed he wanted a 10 minute monologue at the end of the film and they said okay well we'll raise you 20 and right. we'll just make the entire last 20 minutes al pacino <laughs> talking right. um and uh with with occasionally kevin uh, keanu reeves asking um yes and right. uh as uh, again the improv uh background back in those theater classes in high school you know, uh, so Keanu Reeves basically is just relegated to, um, as the main character is relegated to uh, straight man mm -hmm. for the last 20 minutes of the film while, uh, while Pacino just starts devouring scenery. Right. Um, but that's that's the part of the movie that, that hooked me with, like when I was mm -hmm. younger, you know. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think, you know, I was a year out of high school when it came out. So, you know, I was still in that, you know, kind of adolescent mind mindset and um you know his his whole his whole character was you know fascinating to me because you know it was probably one of the first times I'd, I'd seen a portrayal of the devil like that you know yeah where he's where he's the 
the one you kind of kind of sort of root for <laughs> and then the whole yeah bag of wax yeah it's interesting I, I actually meant to look it up we've covered the devil a few times on the mm -hmm. show a couple different portrayals right um and uh i'm i've i've noticed a pattern in the difference between 16 year old nathaniel and 40 year old nathaniel right where i am like where we covered like say the prophecy or constantine mm -hmm. which both had devils i'm way more into um but at 16 the idea of the devil being like well I, I referred, yeah i i referred to it in uh, i referred to it when we did the supernatural special i referred to it as tap dancing right um which is um in supernatural like the devil actually like when, they, when we first meet him uh he's actually like a really really interesting character and then they kept bringing him back and then right. he's progressively doing more and more and i'm now looking at this film now like he's mm. just doing al pacino right for the rest of the series um that uh it's it's interesting to me that this was sort of the way that character was going to be portrayed a lot um mm. which was going to be uh you know monologuing uh hamming it up um mm -hmm. making jokes and being uh what tv shows might call affably evil uh right. you know he's he's friendly he's kind of fun uh, uh he doesn't want anything good for anybody but he seems to come off as a pretty nice guy um and uh it's a, such a fascinating uh concept that at some point my, my, one of our specials should absolutely be like covering the devil but right um because it's such a, a fascinating character um even though the devil has like nothing to do with the bible um right. but it's all it's all um uh paradise lost and right. inferno and um which of course he's made he's named uh milton in this right. movie after uh, after Milton, the uh, the epic poet who Nastasia, have you read Paradise Lost? Um, yeah, and I was actually just giggling because I remembered a funny story from college. I took a class on Milton, taught by a very old woman who was the most boring professor I ever had in college. She managed to suck all the fun out of Paradise Lost, but so the only way I could get through it was when I would read the very long epic poem the voice in my head was al pacino monologuing <laughs> right. everything and let me just tell you i highly recommend that yeah yeah no it's funny to me that uh, al pacino uh like i said the, sort of the, kind of the background was originally al pacino wasn't interested in the movie apparently the original screenplay was actually a little bit more uh effects laden uh mm -hmm. traditional like kind of mainstream horror film Al Pacino was like, I'm whoa, I'm not interested in that. Um, yep. and they were like, okay, uh, how do we get Al Pacino in here? Because apparently they we had written it with Al Pacino in mind, uh, the whole time, and he kept saying no, and they kept rewriting the script, being like, what about now? And he's like, no, no, thank you. He was actually uh, uh, suggesting they hire other actors. He was actually like name dropping like Sean Connery, right, and Kevin Spacey as possible mm -hmm. guys to do the role instead, um. And they hired him. Uh, they finally got him when they were like, look, we've made all these monologues for you. And he was like, OK, right. I'll do it. Um, and then Keanu Reeves only did the film to do to talk to act with Pacino. Um, right. 
Reeves was super hot at this time and worth a lot of money. He took like uh, a few million dollar pay cut to do the film. Right. Uh, because he wanted to work with Pacino. Um, but yeah, he was worth a lot of money at this time. Um, it's funny too, because I was like, Kevin Spacey, they wouldn't have been able to afford Kevin Spacey at this time either. No, he was huge then. Yeah, this was like, he had just done, he just won Oscars like right. the year before. Um, but so it's, it's, it's interesting to me that this is uh, an Al Pacino, uh, very much an Al Pacino joint. Like they're definitely looking for, right. they were making this for Pacino. Um, and uh, I remember actually uh, back when crack.com was fun to read. Um, there was some like Photoshop comic that one of their columnists released. That was the um, uh, honest Al Pacino accepted speech mm-hmm. where he won his, he won his Academy award for scent of a woman. Right. He had been snubbed for the Godfather and Scarface and Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, mm-hmm. He won his Oscar for uh, Scent of a Woman, where he's caricat- he's a caricature of himself, basically, instead right. of a woman. You know, the whole, ah, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, I'm Al Pacino. Yeah, yeah, that, this is where we get our common, you know, thought of yeah. Al Pacino. Al like, Pacino. Yep. Al Pacino, Al Pacinoing. Yep, right. Yeah. <laughs> And um, and uh, it was funny because it was like it was his honest self speech where he was like, it's Photoshop comic. So he's like at the beginning, he's like, so I'm uh, you guys didn't give me an Oscar for The Godfather or Dog Afternoon. You're giving me for this. And like the crowd's like cheering. And then he's like, this is like this is what you like. This is it. Like, Hoo-ah! then fine. Hoo-ah! I'm going right. to do this for the rest of my career. Hoo-ah! And people were like, yay, Al Pacino. And right. he's like, then, uh, I'm giving up. <laughs> like, I'm just going to do, <laughs> I'm just going to do this for the rest of my career. Um, and it reminded me, actually, speaking of that theater class that Nastasia and I took, uh, do you remember when he showed us um, uh, Looking for Richard? Yeah. Uh, his vanity, his, his hardcore vanity project, um, which was him, uh, and getting his old all of his Scorsese buddies together to do Richard the Third, um, with like, but then they would perform scenes at like some Scottish castle, and then it would cut to them like high fiving each other over how good they were <laughs> doing scenes of Richard the Third, um, and uh, and Pacino is is way overdoing it, um, it's uh it's it's Al Pacino used to be this like really amazing actor that much like um most of those scorsese legends are kind of did the same thing where they were like they were like oh my what you want is this caricature not my actual performance ability so i'm just going to do this for the rest of my career um and this movie is absolutely that where i'm watching al pacino just way overdo it um and i this time around at 40 watching the movie and i couldn't help but laugh the whole time because he is <laughs> so so overdoing it right. um uh and i just could not believe and, and it's something that when when we agreed to do this movie i was like the devil's advocate was a movie that could not i, I don't know how the hell this movie happened like right in 1997 like Okay, so we've got a screenplay that's basically uh, The Firm, John Grisham's The Firm, mm-hmm. with a little mm-hmm. bit of like uh, Rosemary's Baby thrown in, 
which is how you mentioned the elevator pitch earlier, Sam. I'm like, yeah. I feel like the elevator pitch was it's Rosemary's Baby if John Grisham wrote it. Right. And they were, and someone said, okay, um, so like 90 minutes? No, two and a half hours. I right. forgot uh, how long it was. Yeah. So did we all. Yeah. 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 It's, it's two and a half hours long. Um, and like I said, I think 45 minutes of it is Al Pacino talking right. uh, throughout the film, if not more. It might be a whole hour. Um, there's a lot of monologues. Yeah. Like four. Um, uh, as, especially the, uh, the one, actually the best monologue in the movie, in my opinion, is the one that happens over uh, the death of uh, the actor we're not talking about. Right. Eddie Barzoon. Yeah, Eddie yeah. Barzoon, the character, Eddie Barzoon. Yeah, mm-hmm. when he's dying. Be like, Eddie Barzoon, God's special little creature. Right. Like, you know, and he just does yeah. like, and he just goes on. It's like this 20 minute scene without Pacino just being like, yeah, just, and I love that they cut back to him and Keanu. He's talking to Keanu Reeves and Keanu Reeves is just patiently sitting there. Right. Listening to this guy go on and on and on about this oddly specific uh quasi-religious thing and i'm like and i couldn't help but giggle again because i'm walking at keanu reeves going literally like i've worked for some long-winded people i am a long-winded guy right i'm like holy shit is this what happens every week like sam, <laughs> i'm like am i talking and sam's just no. like no sam's just like looking maybe. at nodding yeah maybe right. maybe uh yeah like <laughs> uh yes uh please keep going al pacino and i'm like well i'll, I'll keep going I will keep on monologuing. Hooah. But, um, <laughs> she got a great um, I'm but, sure uh, there's a super cut on YouTube that has just nothing but the monologues. And I, I bet. I, I'm almost certain there is, in fact. I and think, it's probably um, an hour and a half long. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there is. But, um, but yeah, it's just uh, a lot of monologues. A lot of monologues. Yeah. I think that's what I'm getting at here. Um, but uh, so, what what do you guys both think of? I've been talking a while here. Uh, so, what do you what do you uh, what do you guys think about Pacino's performance in this movie? Like, how does it work for you? Because I've I've made my my right. thoughts pretty clear. But how does it work for you guys, Nastasia? How does it work for you? It is definitely over the top. I mean, he's right. he's at an eleven the entire yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, there there is no inside voice. No, um, but. I feel like it works for the way the character is written because his whole portrayal of the devil is like you you want him to like you you're you're vaguely terrified of him but mm-hmm. all of the the simpering lawyers they make right. sense because they're they're impressed by him they want to be liked by him they know he's evil you know they probably don't know he's the devil but they know all everything that they're doing and... well some of them are some of them right. are absolutely demons yeah but we mm-hmm. don't, we're never really told exactly which ones are which but yeah yeah so i think i think it works it, it is absolutely over the top but right. i think like this movie the the way the script is written it wouldn't have worked if it was like a Vigo mortensen devil where right. he's just quiet yeah yeah i don't, Viggo, I don't think Viggo he had a movie at all I don't Even think you have a movie at all. If there's, go ahead. Sorry. No, please. 
<laughs> I said, I don't think you have a movie at all if unless you have Al Pacino, Al Pacinoing this this half the time. Um, you know, he's he plays he's a high profile lawyer, you know, so he's used to getting up there and monologuing. And so I think it works for, for the character. Um, you know, obviously that's the whole reason they made the film was for the for these monologues. Um so I don't know, I don't know who else we could have had in that role other than that. I think it I think it is over the top. I think it's it's um strains the the boundaries of what is how long is acceptable to do that for. Um especially at the end. Um, yeah, I think this is the ceiling. Yeah. Right. I think this yeah. is they took it as far as it could possibly go. Um with with how much you know talking they have one character doing throughout the film um but without that there's there's not much left of the character there's not much left of the movie if you take all that out um i don't know if that's a detriment of the of the film but you know you're left with if they take all the the al pacino out you're left with um the rosemary's baby stuff as you said nathaniel you know where you have the wife who's losing her mind and you know they took my ovaries they took my ovaries <laughs> uh, i i actually messaged sam oh, while watching it. yeah <laughs> when watching it uh when watching it again last night i literally right. messaged sam at that point <laughs> they took my ovaries yeah um yeah uh and one of the things i noticed last night was that doesn't make a lick of sense um no. she goes crazy for no reason um it's i i've almost right. like this movie's almost is two and a half hours long and yet there are scenes missing um right. yeah like she goes her crazy from, escalated she goes, so yeah, she quickly goes from, yeah. from lowly to you know completely batshit insane yeah the haircut the haircut apparently just made her lose right. her mind yeah it's like samson but with sanity yeah right. um no yeah it's it really is i noticed that uh that particularly last night when watching the movie, like she has the, like they open the film with her actually being kind of almost as, and we'll talk about the moral relativism mm -hmm. of this film because it's crucial. But, um, and one of the things I think it does well, um, but the, uh, the character opens with like, she's, she's very much on board with how amoral Kevin Lomax is. Right. Um, to the point that she has no qualms whatsoever about uprooting her whole life to going to New York. Yeah. I mean, uh, she's sitting there and sitting in there watching him in court, you know, defend, you know, a child molester and yeah. she's, you know, yeah. over, over the moon about it. I yeah. mean, she's like, you did great, babe. Right. Yeah. Um, let's go do shots. Let's go do right. tequila shots to celebrate your, your obvious. I actually, I actually didn't, didn't realize it was his wife like right away. And I thought like, this was like, you know, the lady who worked at the law, law firm with him. And yeah. Yeah. Up until, up until he, decides to eat her entire ass yeah. <laughs> um and who wouldn't um right, yeah sure yeah it's charlie Theron. she's one of the right. most beautiful women to ever exist like you know if you were if i think in especially in 97 if you were making uh like a helena troy movie you cast mm -hmm. Charlize Theron. right you know like that is that is the type of woman that like, I remember actually like I know Nastasia is a big Buffy fan I know you're not Sam but like mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, where like Harmony Kendall even says like I told you that the threesome is only boy boy girl or Charlize Theron um, like mm -hmm. she was the woman that even straight women were like I would totally have sex with mm -hmm. Charlize Theron like yeah. um, one of the most beautiful women in existence 
and a great actor. Um, I think she, and I think she's actually yeah. one of the better performances in this movie. I think she's really good in it, actually, even though uh, it doesn't, her arc doesn't quite track because so we open with that where she's like really, really like uh, kind of on board with that. Then they move in and then it turns into like, um, suddenly there's this vulnerability to the character that wasn't alluded to earlier. Right. Like, she's mm-hmm. like, don't leave me alone at the party. I'm like, wait, why? Like you were, yeah. uh, you were very, very social earlier. What's going on now? Um, and then she's like, well, and then she's hanging out with the other women who are admittedly are, there's some really great scenes of them, um, browbeating her ostensibly mm-hmm. they're breaking down her confidence right. but she even says she has the talk where she's like I, this is the first time i've never had a job and i'm like go get one yeah. like you know i'm like you know get out of the house i mean if, if the house is driving you nuts which apparently there's some sort of supernatural evil going on right but she goes straight from uh i'm mildly mildly uncomfortable with the fact that my husband's not around as much to Full on Mia Farrow, uh, sallow. I've lost forty pounds. Right. Uh, I've cut off all my hair. I'm pale as hell. Um, uh, they they took my ovaries. Um, <laughs> it's really it's a jump. It's a huge yeah. jump. That one scene she goes from being and also angry with him. Like she's a, and then there right. she just becomes this passive wife caricature right. really quickly. And I've never really under, and I was watching it last night being like, I don't, did we miss a scene? Like, was I not paying attention? Right. No, no, there wasn't one. Um, it's odd, but yeah. uh, it's, it's a good performance. She's, um, I believe it. Um, yeah. There's just, there's, it's missing, missing the key scene in the middle there that, that ties it all together. It's just, not or, or, or a scene at the beginning that established right. uh, some sort of already imbalanced. Right. Uh, or emotionally unstable aspect to the right. character, like. Um, well, I mean, it could have been at the beginning or at the at the middle of the end. I meant, I yeah. meant the the key scene in the middle of her character arc, the one, yeah. that, the the core that holds it all together is missing. Yeah, you know where wherever that scene might have happened. Yeah, well, I mean, I I wouldn't credit this movie as being particularly feminist either. No, um, no. no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, Nastasia, you don't fall apart when your husband's not home. So, I mean, like... Right. So, what do you think about Charlize Theron's arc in this movie? Um, I definitely felt the same way. Like, I pay, I was paying much more attention to it this time. Mm-hmm. And it, it was... It was like the whole Daenerys Targaryen type thing. Oh, she's fine. Mm-hmm. She's fine. Now she's batshit crazy. We are missing something right. in the middle. And... I didn't find it tear. I feel like it could have even been fixed with a couple throwaway lines because the whole thing at the party where she's like, don't leave me alone. That, that felt like a very normal reaction just because she's, you know, they're living in Florida, some redneck town in Florida. She's now with Manhattan socialites. So it's a whole different social thing that she's trying to navigate. So I just, feel like a couple simple lines like you know I don't leave me alone I'm not used to dealing with people like right. this it would have been just very easy to make it not feel so jarring with yeah. her reactions totally yeah I um don't leave me alone to hit on a girl at the party you know either 
Yeah, there's that too. Um, which I thought was also kind of funny because I was like, as, as attractive as the uh, other woman is, um, his uh, his uh, Cersei Lannister. Um, <laughs> it's um, I, I was like, wait a minute, you're married to Charlize Theron, and you're like, oh yeah, this, yeah, oh yeah, this other girl's really hot. I'm like, she's not that hot. I mean, she's that's not why they had to. That's why they had to cut Charlize's hair and make yeah. her look pale and sad. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the reverse of everything they did in the makeover movies of the nineties. They right. had to put the glasses on, yeah. put some hair in a ponytail, <laughs> then you know, then she's not hot anymore. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. Put her in overalls. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I mean it's it's very true, but I was just like it was one of those things that I was just like, wait a minute, what? I mean, and I get a lot of this is supposed to be supernatural shenanigans, but there is no indication of supernatural shenanigans for almost over an hour in this movie. Right. Um, uh, it was just something I had forgotten as well. I thought this was made clear pretty early, but they're obviously relying on the audience to know what they're watching. Right. Um, Cause there is no indication. Well, the, the trailers all spelled it out for you. So, yeah. you know, you yeah. went in doing that. Yeah. The trailers had like the omen music and like, they were like, by the way, right. Al Pacino is the devil. Um, yeah. They, you know, <laughs> They yeah. show that scene of him touching the holy water, holy and it's water boiling, and over. boiling <laughs> yeah. over. Yeah, it was not a subtle trailer. No, no, no. no. Um, which is odd for a film that's actually like really, really interested in being um, a kind of prestige actor's piece, right? Um, that they would make the trailer being like it's all about the devil. It's like actually no, it's really more about Kevin Lomax being a lawyer, right? Um. And the trials and tribulations that he undergoes as a lawyer and the moral decay of Kevin Lomax, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak. Um, but yeah, let's transition to Keanu Reeves. Um, uh, I've read, I was reading through stuff online and ranging from people saying this is one of his worst performances to one of his best performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where would you guys put this in Keanu Reeves uh, kind of they uh, they need to not they need to not have Keanu Reeves do acts. Um, that's yeah. that's where I'm at. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say this is his worst. I wouldn't say this is his worst performance. Um, because I've seen him in some other dogs, but um, <laughs> you know, uh, like the accent would took a little time for me to get over. Um, <laughs> it at first because I'm like I'm like are we doing this the whole movie? Um, oh yeah. Or are you going to throw out a different accent when you somewhere he, along the life? He doesn't. Yeah. Right. Um, because yeah, much he like, kind of forgets. He kind of forgets he's supposed to have middle. one. Yeah. Right. And then sometimes it'll just be like full Colonel Sanders. Yeah. It's like it's it's like oh after 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 he leaves Florida, it's only at like the point where he's yelling where he remembers mm-hmm. that he's supposed to foghorn yeah. leghorn it a little bit. You know. <laughs> I'm uh, a lawyer. Uh, uh, how, yeah. how many how many yeah. syllables am I gonna put in lawyer? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I I say, boy, I say, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. I'm a lawyer. Now, I'm not a big city lawyer, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, he's. It's really it's a it's a it's a pretty abysmal accent, and and, and, and he's from Florida. You can get away with not having. And he's from Florida. You can get yeah. away with not having an accent. Florida. A lot of people in Florida don't. You know. Yeah. Yeah, but I think he's supposed to be from like, like you know the Georgia the, part. The, yeah, the the like roll tide part of Florida. Right. So Yeah. Yeah. 
it's uh it's funny actually they say uh, they they refer to it as, they say gainesville and um mm-hmm. there's some people online that i looked at and they were like actually gainesville is actually a major city in florida they just picked it at right. random when they were writing the script and so people were like if you actually know anything about florida gainesville is actually like a really really nice city um fully developed right. uh and then like they shot stuff in like an actual one horse town in florida mm-hmm. um right but uh but yeah i mean like same thing with gainesville georgia is a big city too like it's it, they just mm-hmm. picked one at random um but you're right you could have they could have put him anywhere and just said like but i mean they could have actually said he's from gainesville he's from an, a right. smaller a smaller city and now he's going to new york i mean you don't have to have an accent at all um also yeah. i mean as we've talked about every time we've ever done a, a stephen king movie um you can just not have people doing accents. Um, right. You can just mm-hmm. do whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, like we said with Salem's Lot, where one, literally one actor attempts a main or accent. Right. Uh, everybody else doesn't bother. Um, you know, we don't need it. We, we, we establish plenty in dialogue that he's a small town lawyer from Florida. We don't need an accent right. for him at all. Um, uh, and he could think of the any- bullet we Think of the bullet we dodged in Constantine, where they decided not to make it in English. British, you know, right? Oh, get, right. Yeah. We've all seen Dracula. We, we all have, remember right, that. Yeah. Oh. We, co- we covered we covered Dracula yep. not too long ago. Yep. Yeah, um, and we talked about his accent work there too. Um, yep. The funny thing is, I actually think this is one of his best, uh, other than the accent thing. I think Keanu is right. um, bringing a lot to this role and part of it is it's making really good use of his sort of wooden quality mm-hmm. um one of the things i think made keanu reeves really really successful was that he has this ability to be wooden and i don't think i think it's an ability i think it turns i think he turns it on um right. because every interview with him has actually said he's actually a really nice talkative engaging guy um so it's clearly uh something that he projects but um it makes perfect use of that in the sense that he's sort of meant we're, we're supposed to be able to project ourselves onto kevin lomax and right. i think that he does a great job with that but also when he has to do the big moments like when uh mayor is committing suicide mm-hmm. uh he brings a lot of energy to the role as well so i think it's actually one of his better performances particularly during this time where he was very right very known for being kind of a wooden uh mtv generation kind of figure yeah that makes sense yeah what do you think this does um yeah i mean i think he does except for the big emotional scenes he does seem very very stiff and uncomfortable Mm -hmm. but it works Mm -hmm. because he's very much a fish out of water in a lot of it and yeah, the whole idea that he is supposed to be the stand-in for all of us. It's kind of like, what is right. happening? Yeah. But yeah, his um his work here I think is just really solid. Um uh it's one of the things I think that does work in this film. Um, which is and one of the things that works well with this film, I think, is its moral relativism. Like mm-hmm. it's um, I don't know if you, if either of you have ever met a lawyer or someone who went to law school. Um, but, um, I, I dated a girl who was, uh, who went to law school and, uh, and I have a good friend, uh, also from high school, uh, mm-hmm. who, uh, is, I 
I think she ended up not being a lawyer, but she had the law degree. Um, both told me uh, separately that when you go to law school, one of the first things they say, if you want to be a criminal attorney, um, you got to be able to turn off morals. Right. Um, because you will be defending someone you know to be guilty. Right. Um, and uh, much like the opening of the sequence, um, opening sequence of this film, which is Kevin Lomax um, is cross-examining um, a like teenage girl who right. is accusing a man of molesting her. And he becomes pretty aware that the guy absolutely did. Right. Um, and he has to go have his sort of uh, dark night, uh, dark moment of the soul in the bathroom and decides I'm going to go out there and destroy a teenage girl. Right. Um, it's such an effective sequence and it, but it's an interesting move to do that with your protagonist. Right. Um, that you're going to introduce a guy. I mean, they at least establish that he's not comfortable with it, but he's going to go out there and demolish yeah. a weeping teenage girl. <laughs> and, it's true yeah um it's a little jarring and it's an interesting it's an interesting opening um what do you guys think about the uh the uh, kevin lomax as a character uh do we like him do we not like him do we identify with him do we not identify with him i think he's just very very human because nothing really seems to bother him that much until it directly affects him until right. everything happens with Marianne he's pretty much okay with defending the murderers right. the child molesters he he knows these people are guilty it's like I'll it's like Al Pacino said in the movie you know you put that lying bitch on the stand and it wasn't until Marianne finally snapped that was his moment where he was finally pushed too far. I don't think it was, it wasn't a great moral stand. It was no. a great personal stand. It, it was, you, you have taken away what I valued, so I'm going to take away what you want. Right. I think he's kind of a shit. <laughs> I think he's kind of <laughs> kind of a shit. Um because the the part that got me like the most where I'm like I am not on your side buddy was wasn't um the opening where you know he's defending this person he knows is guilty because you know I understand that that's his job. That's you know what those what that they serve a purpose and it's a necessary purpose, you know, criminal defense lawyers even if the person's guilty as hell. You know, you're you're afforded that you know representation, um, and yeah, you have to be able to turn off you know your personal feelings um, in some cases to do that. Um, but when when his wife is is teetering on the edge, and even Satan's like, dude, just you know, go go take care of your wife, and he's like, no, I'm gonna hate her for it if I do. <laughs> like, no, you're you're kind of an asshole. You're kind of... totally. Totally. That's that was uh, that's uh, that's definitely, and it's something that, of course, uh, our our Satan throws back at him. Right. You know, where he's like, "You, 
you don't you want to pretend you're the victim here, but you literally I gave you an out and you actually still said I'm in. Um right. which is uh definitely a uh, a shit moment for a, what is probably a shit character. Yeah. Right. Um it's it's and that's why I want, wanted to get at was that sort of the idea of like on one hand and I, I think this is actual also like you know a question about the 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 movie and what what it does well what versus what it doesn't do well mm-hmm. is that we're supposed to buy by the idea I think that Kevin is um reluctant or and somehow is being but he seems to be right. kind of corrupt from the word go that uh, how well do you guys think this movie does with uh projecting Kevin as a character who is spiraling morally out of control i think that's one of the strong points of the movie is that you know they take this character that's uh corruptible uh i don't i don't think he's you know corrupt at the beginning but he's corruptible and you know slowly make him more corrupt as time goes on i think uh that's probably one of the more clever things the film does is have this character who's not you know a Dudley do right to begin with, um, and take him to the to the extremes, um, because like you said, you know, it's 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 just pushing his, you know, where his morality is inch by inch. Um, so yeah, I think I think it works. I think it's I think if they would have taken it to an extreme in either direction, it wouldn't have worked as well. What about you, Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think it did work really well because he never comes off as a great guy from the beginning. Right. He's he's likable in the sense that he is charming, but a lawyer sort of has to have that. Right. <laughs> and but he. I really liked the, I guess liked the wrong word, the Mm -hmm. intro, just because it does establish that this is a person who is kind of shitty. And I, I, I liked the sort of throwaway conversation with Al Pacino's character where Kevin mentions that he used to be a prosecutor and right. he was winning all of those cases, but he went to be a defense attorney because the pay was better. Was so mm. he is established very early his soul can be bought. Right. And they established that he has, you know, quite a bit of an ego, too. You know, they have that scene where he's like, I'm a winner. I I'm win. A lawyer. That's what I, I do. That's yeah. what I do. It's like, you know, without an ego, it's he, you know, he wouldn't have been so easily swayed, you know, towards Al Pacino's plans for him. And, and his... it feels like he was pissed, too, about right. the fact that Al Pacino was his father because he didn't earn it. Right. Then. Welcome yeah. to New York. None of the famous people earned it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I also love that they established that he cheats. Right. He's been cheating. Uh, you know, he's under the bathroom at the courthouse. I can overhear the jury deliberating, right? Uh, and I can make uh adjustments to my uh mm-hmm. my defense or my my strategy. 
which is, uh, and he basically says, like, don't mention it to anybody because I'll get in a lot of trouble. Right. Um, I thought I thought he was joking until he said, you know, don't mention it to anybody. I'm like, oh shit, that's that's no, he's really yeah, right. He's yeah. he's not that good. Um, <laughs> he he cheats. Um, right. It's funny too. I was reading up a little bit on on law, uh, doing my research in this movie and about like the way they. Uh, talk about his prosecution career and they're like that's uh, apparently absolutely absurd he's like i don't do plea bargains and i was like no prosecutors do that all the time all the time yeah yeah um it's a very common tactic and in fact it would be stupid not to um that he somehow won 64 cases that way without ever taking a plea bargain um which is the easy win um But and they also I love that this movie pretends that the prosecutor uh, is the more moral of the two roles, too, mm-hmm. because it works the same way. Criminal criminal attorney in general means checking uh, morals at the door because you have to, you know, little old ladies accused of a crime. You got to go in there and take that. Take that bitch down yeah, if you're right. a prosecutor, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, you know, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, uh a person who's been accused of a crime, your job is to make sure they go away. Right. Um, but this movie says, well, prosecutors are good, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, defense attorneys are bad. But everybody knows the defense attorney is... But th- like This movie's like one big lawyer joke. What do you yep. call 100 lawyers at the bottom of the ocean? A good start. Um, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's very played on... Um, uh, public perception of mm-hmm. uh, of law which is the defense attorney is uh are scumbags even though they do uh you know defend innocent people right on occasion um you're just your job is to not matter uh right. they're innocent or guilty or not you have to defend them to the best of your ability <laughs> which is why i would never be able to do it right um but um and why like i said one of my friends uh a friend of mine who did was she was like i knew i wasn't going to go into criminal in the criminal law because mm-hmm. i couldn't do it um you know you you got to go if a guy murdered 17 people you got to go in there and defend him say no he right. didn't or if he did he doesn't deserve to go to prison for it right. um you know uh you know you end up being rudy giuliani you know mm-hmm. um you know an evil evil man um speaking of which they actually uh i didn't know this when i was watching the movie but apparently the two republican politicians they mentioned at the party mm-hmm. are actually guys who were in politics at that time they were actual <laughs> oh. high, po- high power republicans um I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah and um uh, the kind of discourse that i read about online was like what were they aware <laughs> of what movie they were being right. in because it's basically establishing the Republicans are in that the devil's law firm. Right. Um that tracks. Don, yeah. yeah. And Don King. Don right, King Don shows King. up. Yep. Only in America. Like I apparently I apparently have the devil as my lawyer. Um Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't actually just get Donald Trump to play uh the Craig T. Nelson role, like, you know. Yeah, no, and Craigie Nelson's real character is very much Donald Trump right. at that time. Um, and yeah. they name drop Trump. Yep, at the party. Uh, always, always awkward to watch movies in the '90s when someone pop culture references Donald Trump, and then you just go, "Oh God, yeah." 
get um, the douche chills, you know. I remember actually, I watched an old wrestling pay per view. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Donald Trump is actually in like the WWE Hall of Fame, right? Because he did uh, pop culture appearances well before he was anywhere near politics. But the one that sticks out is like Jesse Ventura does some speech uh, at one old WrestleMania where he talks mm-hmm. about putting a wrestler in the White House. And the commentary, Jerry the King Lawler, who is another world-class piece of shit, by the way, says on commentary, what if we got a uh, uh, Jesse Ventura, Donald Trump uh, uh, Republican ticket? (laughs) And it was like, and it it just like you could feel like your soul die. I watched it. It was like an old one. It was that while Trump was president, I watched this and I was like, oh, my God. Uh, he, He mentioned it. Um, and it actually happened and, right. and uh, the world is worse off for it. Um, it just, it just, I could, you know, the, the expression of like feeling someone pass over your grave, right. It happened. Like, I was like, Oh my God. Like I <laughs> didn't, I thought that was just an expression, but no, I literally felt it. Um, and the same thing happens when I watched this movie, when I was watching this movie and they were like, you know, well, Donald Trump's supposed to be here. And, oh God right oh god we should leave now then you know yeah pop culture pop culture kept referencing this asshole uh it's like home alone 2 right you know don't watch home alone 2 there's a donald trump joke at the beginning and it's cute and it's not cute anymore (laughs) um but yeah it's um that being funny a long time ago yeah yeah but that is a good segue actually i'm glad you mentioned craig t nelson because it kind of slipped my mind because i wanted to talk about him in this movie because i think he's good He's yeah. an interesting character. Um, but yeah, he's designed to be uh, Donald Trump XP. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Craig T. Nelson does, uh, is, an, in, is an interesting performer in general. I always like seeing Craig T. Nelson, especially when he's playing something a little less um, uh, wholesome. Right. Because he was famous for playing, kind of playing coach. He was on coach. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, He's uh, the dad of Poltergeist, right. where he's a, a nice man. Um, mm-hmm. uh, except for the uh, in Poltergeist 2 when he does the evil part, which is like I think my favorite part of any right. of Poltergeist movies because Craig T. Nelson does it so well. Um, that this movie is him being an absolute garbage human being, right? Um, what do you, I mean, talk to me a little bit about Craig T. Nelson before. Uh, so what do you guys think about uh, his character and his role on the screen? I completely forgot about the um, the whole uh, creepy stepdaughter aspect until I rewatched it and saw the funeral scene. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, oh, so they really did go full Trump on this. Yeah. Yeah. They... <laughs> I like I like that he's dumb enough to uh, actually, you know, have a gun on him. Um, yeah. When he's being charged with murder, you know. <laughs> Yeah, the Chekhov's the Chekhov's gun, right? Literally the Chekhov's gun. Uh, they, uh, which is uh, Kevin uses it at the end to uh, blow right. his own brains out. Yeah. Do you, do you mm-hmm. guys think he did it? Do you guys think he he killed those people? Or do you oh think yeah, he's, he's oh yeah, just an absolutely. Yeah. I think the movie's. Pretty, Same, I feel yeah. I feel like the movie's pretty clear on that. Yeah. Right. Um, when he's talking to the secretary and realizing she's lying, and he's like, "Oh no, he absolutely went in and shot and killed right. those people." Um. And now I have to try to, and I'm going to get him off um, because I'm, I'm that good. I'm going to get him off. And he's like, right. suddenly he's got a conscience um, rather suddenly. 
again. Right. You know, and then he gets out of the funeral and he sees the the um the guy who played um the very first villain on Angel, um Russell Edgington, uh was the name of the character, mm-hmm. uh comes out and says, uh, you know, oh by the way, that guy you got off at the beginning of the film um murdered a ten year old girl. Right. Um and suddenly he's bothered by it. And I'm like, well, you're a defense attorney. Like that's not actually on you. Right. Um, that's not your fault. Yeah. yeah. It's it's really strange that he's like, Oh, I'm really bothered by that. And I'm like, Well, you're a defense attorney. Right. Like you're not actually responsible for that. Um no. uh, however it does point out um at the end of the movie when he's uh where they jump back and say, None of this ever happened. Um mm-hmm. uh which is still a cop out. I I agree with my sixteen year old self. Mm-hmm. Um uh basically uh they say he's gonna get disbarred for removing himself from the uh from it probably not because he's actually now very much aware that this guy is uh going to continue to commit right crimes um that uh you know he actually probably wouldn't get disbarred for for ditching this guy because he he would now he's now aware this guy is going to commit more crimes right you know um which is when they actually one of the few times a lawyer can do what kevin did Mm -hmm. um where Kevin said, I don't want to represent my, my uh, client anymore. You can't do that unless you are actively aware that they are, that you, and you are now essentially an accessory to a crime. Right. Um, you can then recuse yourself without any actual legal, uh, legal problems. Um, but as soon as he's like looking at the guy, like touching the table and be like, right. You're yeah. going to arrest another girl tomorrow, aren't you? Like, right. you know, um, you can probably just bail out, but. Uh, but yeah. What about what about Ruben Santiago Hudson? You'd mentioned that he's your favorite character actor in this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I uh, one of the things that I, I feel like I do now versus when I was younger is um, and it's something actually we uh, again, that that drama class from high school comes up again where <laughs> the. um. I think the true test of an actor's weight is when they're not the focus of attention. Right. Um, if they're, we've, we've got mentioned a couple of films with some, with some minor actors who are doing great work in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that guy, he does some really wonderful understated work. Um, being a true believer. We, we get to we get to know the guy. He's a true believer. Right. Uh, based on how he's doing it, you know, uh, one of my favorite scenes is the other lawyer saying, "Like you, you put this shit in, you know, or I'm gonna walk," and he just says, "Walk," right? Like it's uh, no, I'm. Uh, Milton says this is what happens. Um, you go, you can piss off. Um, you know, and the scene where um, uh, Milton says Kevin's gonna take this murder case, and the other actor from Burton movies is mm-hmm. yelling. You know what? What are you talking about? If you look at that scene and you look, if you look at Ruben Santiago, uh, he is looking on confidently, right? Without a doubt, this is the right move. It's such a wonderful performance, and I think the guy's really likable. And mm-hmm. it's uh, probably the only guy from the law firm that I think is likable. That I kind of want more of that relationship with Kevin. Like, I almost right. wanted to see like that you know, how kind of warm and welcoming he is, uh, you know, as being part of Kevin's 
uh, degradation. Kevin's uh, seduction is this right. really nice friend of his that lives next door, and he just disappears. Yeah, he just he's not in the movie anymore. Yeah, he just stops showing yeah. up. Um, yep. And uh, it's really strange to me that he just stops showing up. But I think he just does some really great uh, minor character actor work in this movie that I think um, it just really, really impressed me. I love watching background performers, mm -hmm. um, how well they stay with the scene. Um, but yeah, actually, uh, back in high school when uh, Nastasia and I were both in Macbeth, <laughs> um that was one of the things that the director kept kind of saying to people who were having small roles he's like look this whole thing falls apart if right. you know your minor the minor roles don't do their jobs and they, but all the kids were like well i don't i i'm not macbeth so what do i care <laughs> and, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah it was uh yeah. you know uh as somebody who played a minor role i was like 100 committed to like uh playing my role the best i could because i I like the, the part. That's what I uh, what I actually auditioned for. But uh, so, I mean, it's one of those things that I've always kind of kept in the back of my mind as I've gotten older and, and more interested in, in film and film analysis. I love watching uh, the the background players and if they're if they're committed and they're into the scene, because without it, the scene falls apart. Right. So. But no, that's why. I mean, I think he's he's phenomenal in this movie. Yeah. And um I don't know. Uh, I don't know what else he's done, but uh, Ruben San Diego, uh, Santiago Hudson, if you're listening, mm -hmm. uh, I'm a big fan of your work here. Um, come on the show um, yeah. if you're listening. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but no, wonderful, wonderful role. Um, also, I think the um, uh, Tamara Tooney as his wife mm -hmm. is great too. Oh, um, she is. Yeah, it's such a, a great gaslight character. You know, mm -hmm. she's so insincere, but yet sincere. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to, uh, I thought it would be a, a, a thank you for bringing it up because I was yep. like, it's a, it's a sorry Daryl Hannah moment waiting to happen. Right, if we don't. <laughs> but yeah, what do you, what do you guys think of those two characters? I mean, both of them disappear mid, mid film. Right. Um, I, I loved just the contrast of the two lawyers. Um, Ruben Santiago's character and then he who shall not be named just mm -hmm. because he it, it's the quiet versus the blustering loud if I yell you'll pay attention to me right. lawyer and it's a good contrast I, I, yeah yeah it was it was a great contrast and I I wanted more of their like I always want more backstory for interesting right. characters like that yeah. and I'm like can we can we just find out like how did he come into the firm what's yeah what's his story can we take one of the monologues and have him be his right <laughs> yeah. yeah no yeah it would have been it would have uh uh actually no if you say that we would taken the monologue i actually almost feel like the train scene on their mm -hmm. way to the boxing fight would have actually been an interesting bit for him yeah that would have been yeah good for him mm -hmm. to be like you know i uh yeah i'm in the uh you know you know you gotta check your conscience at the door like right. you know we're 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 having fun or even including him in the scene uh even if you don't give him a monologue would have worked mm -hmm. i I, and I but i do love the fact that uh uh that scene actually comes about because kevin's arguing with um the the lumpy guy and um 
and uh and out comes built and he's like we're going to the fight baby uh, but not you you're staying here <laughs> like, yeah, you know, right. like, i'm going to invite you to the sh- you to the boxing fight uh you stay here and work right um it's uh it's great it's uh it's one of those funny little things that happens that i don't know if it's actually intentional that uh uh milton is just like i don't care about the other guys like they, right you stay here uh you don't get to come <laughs> with me um yeah it's unfortunate we can't uh we uh, that we're not going to kind of mention that actor because i think he actually is good in this movie but, yeah yeah um and uh as he, i mentioned as i mentioned to sam i think he actually has the best scene in the movie which is his death scene is one of the is probably like i think the only scary moment in the film i think it's actually a really quite frightening scene uh despite with the the phantom joggers yeah phantom joggers and the and the uh homeless guys right beating him with sticks um it's a really good scene actually mm-hmm. although it's awkwardly cut together because i guess we're supposed to believe mayor is seeing it right but they put yeah, no that frame always of reference. felt weird yeah yeah they put no frame of reference in there. So she's just sort of reacting to nothing at the window. And we're like, wait, are you right. seeing this? Um, yeah, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. Uh, like, are there psychic visions now? Yeah, where is yeah. this coming from? Yeah, it was just right outside their window, I guess. Right. Um, and it's a, it's an awkward, I'm like, you could have just one shot. You've already got two and a half hours of this movie. Like, go ahead and put it well, in there. What they should have done at that, at that point, you know, which is what they should do at any point where her character doesn't make sense. Just have her shout about her ovaries again. <laughs> when in doubt, shout about ovaries. Yep. They took my ovaries. <laughs> God damn it, Mayor. What is your problem? They took my ovaries. <laughs> what about your ovaries? <laughs> you cow. You cow. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like. Uh, by the way, I love that she's called Mare, right? Um, which is, of course, a female horse, uh, <laughs> and which is known to be a um, uh, generally docile. And mm-hmm. uh, if you look up the definition of Mare, like a Mare versus a Stallion, is that they're generally docile unless they are in heat, right? In which case, they become aggressive and ornery. And I'm like. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. You know, like I'm like that's both clever and misogynistic. Good for you. <laughs> um. Um. And uh, you know, I also I cringe a little bit at the um, Al Pacino's like you know like I fucked this broad. You know, she's walking away. She's trying, she's to, trying, trying to walk. walk. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, okay, right. Um. Yeah. Well, she's trying to walk. Uh, and I'm like, oh <laughs> Jesus Christ! Like, um, and it always makes me laugh with Al Pacino too. Is uh, they come out of the courtroom and he's the shortest guy in the room, right? Um, but, I mean, as a short guy myself, it's it still amuses me to uh, see uh, Al Pacino is standing almost half the height of right. all of these Hollywood giants. Um, you know, it's um, it's an odd choice to make an actor that short as your devil right uh you know it's it's inviting um i thought he'd be taller (laughs) yeah um but yeah it's uh it it just is it's an odd 
odd choice to right. shoot it that way. Cause usually what they do with shorter actors is they cut around it. Yeah. And they do that for almost the rest of the film, unless he's directly acting with Keanu Reeves in frame. Um, right. But usually what they do is cut around. It's like why uh, nobody knows Sylvester Stallone is short. He's right. Short Cause guy. they just, yeah. But they shoot around it so it looks like he's, you know, 6'4", but actually he's like Or Tom Cruise, you know. Yeah, Tom Cruise is another one. Tom Cruise is like 5'10". Yeah, Um, which are both taller than me, but Mm -hmm. um, uh, because I'm 5'4 on a good day. Um, But also, I'm not trying to play the devil either, so. Right. I got one up on Al Pacino on that one. Um, (laughs) But... um, But yeah, it's just, it's one of those things that I just noticed in this film that was like, that's an odd choice to frame it to make the camera frame show how right. much shorter he is than everybody else but yet they're trying to maintain all he has all the power in every scene he's in right and i think they do yeah to their credit i mean al pacino mm-hmm. is is sort of a, a supernova in general right that he brings a lot of all that energy and power to his roles that is what makes him well cast here um mm-hmm. even though like the character doesn't exactly have a lot of subtlety right but yeah any uh any last thoughts uh nastasia on uh devil's advocate any any sorry daryl hannah moments that we didn't get to? <laughs> um no i mean i i i feel like it has held up i was still impressed with the demon special effects they Mm. still creep me out all Mm -hmm. these years later especially in the um the eddie barzoon death scene Mm -hmm. the the homeless guys with that that was creepy Mm. um but i still i still love the movie it's it's overacted it's very 90s but i still love it yeah actually the effects thing is a good good thing worth uh, talking about real quick before we do which is um in the ending sequence there's that wonderful um truly wonderful uh piece of art in milton's office with these sort of uh, living statue actors right um and uh this is before like cgi really the the, the heartbeat before cgi really become mm-hmm. the go-to uh so it's all this really wonderful practical effect yeah um and it's gorgeous looking um mm-hmm. it doesn't you know it doesn't fit the rest of the movie <laughs> right. um, but uh, it's uh it's uh it i had forgotten all about it and was watching the movie going, oh wow like that's right really, like where's this been the whole movie like um you know we've been spending all this time talking about you know legal cases and i'm like we could have had demon stuff right like this is really cool what do you guys think of that effect I thought it was really well done. Um, really uh, inspired and fits the scene that it's in. I mean, uh, I can't think of a better backdrop to have for you know the big monologue than that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Nastasia? Um, yeah, and I loved how it changed. Mm-hmm. Um, it re- it reflected like as. Things are things are getting a little sexier with his sister. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Everything changes, and then they react. I all I was I wondered are these are these trapped souls? What is going on right. with this thing? Apparently, is it the, some portal into hell? Apparently, that's what the script called it. Yeah, yeah. from what I understand, my research said that it's supposed to be. It's not just um, 
uh, creepy effect. It's supposed to be like literally gate to Tortured souls. Yeah. 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 That's what the script says it is. Um, what do we think about um, uh, Milton turning into Keanu Reeves with wings at the end of that scene? I didn't necessarily read it as him turning into Keanu Reeves mm -hmm. because the devil's supposed to be like the most beautiful angel. So I just sort of saw it as them de-aging him and making him young and hot again. And he's going to try again with this. Right. Yeah. He's supposed to be Lucifer. Yeah. The most beautiful and powerful of all the angels, um, which they, Never called him Lucifer. They never referred to him as such. Just as no. Satan. Um, in fact, also, the... I want to know who the other lawyers are. We've got hmm. Milton, how, Ch Chadwick, and Water. Who the hell are Chadwick and Waters? I'm good point. annoyed right? that that never gets mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> who are these other senior partners? Yeah, because yeah, we know, know from we know from Angel the senior partners. Yeah, they're important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, it's uh, I actually wondered myself. Um, although Angel was Angel on at ninety seven, no, not yet. Angel, uh, yeah, Angel, Angel started two thousand uh, ninety nine. Yeah, ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, but I mean, I wonder how much of uh, how much of this movie inspired the Wolfman Hart. Uh, oh, it concept. had to. Have. Yeah. Um, with the idea of uh, of uh, lawyers uh, dedicated to to perpetuating evil in the world, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's um it's something I I couldn't help but think about now watching it. I was like, oh yeah, like it's it's Wolfram and Hart, you know, uh, quite literally, in fact, where the concept of Wolfram and Hart was the wolf, the ram, and the heart, right? From day, uh, law firm to control human people human souls um yeah it's just an interesting concept of the devil having a law firm or evil having a law firm right yeah we're it's coming out yeah. we are coming out <laughs> it's the new clergy new clergy mm -hmm. baby i'm gonna think frank sinatra <laughs> the backstage path right. <laughs> yeah so many mixed metaphors right so many um okay yeah any last thoughts sam do you have anything you wanted to, to bring up no i think we wrap up? covered everything yeah 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 cool nastasia thanks for coming back uh yeah, thank thanks you for having me yeah it won't be won't be as long this time we'll definitely bring mm -hmm. you back sooner we're we're dedicated to bringing more of our our friends back because you're always a wonderful guest to have on uh Absolutely. a great conversationalist and <laughs> uh i was actually was telling a friend of mine about um how we were going to be doing this episode and I was actually saying like, and Nastasia is a, is a great guest because she's so forceful. Like, <laughs> like she is, um, you don't get shy. You don't get nervous. We have, we've had some guests that get a little bit nervous when they talk to us and you are right. like 100% assured, probably more assured than we are. So right, right. Um, you're always a great guest to have on. So um, it's always, and it's always great to see you. You're one of my yeah. best friends and I love you to death. So. Oh, well, it is always great to be here. So mm. I will come back anytime. Cool. Cool. Uh, so uh, with that, Sam, you want to take us up? Yep. Uh, we want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, tell your friends about us. Tell your enemies. Tell your therapist. Tell your doctor. Tell anybody you can. 
we're coming out. Yeah, we're coming out. Um, just wanted to say, you know, keep an eye at each other. It's still kind of crazy out there. Um, with that, just be kind, rewind, but mostly be kind. Thank you. Ooh. They took my ovaries. <laughs> took my ovaries. <laughs>